Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whenever you may be listening. Welcome. Episode 39 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. I'm your host, Luke Helgerson. Let's get right into it. Five topics, unpopular opinion. Topic number one. Again, NBA offseason continues free agency. Guys can start negotiating contracts tomorrow and then officially be signed on the 22nd as we sit here Thursday, November 19th. It is in full swing. Let's talk about the trades. Really, the biggest trade, I guess the biggest news of what we should really start with this offseason, Clay Thompson, the Golden State Warriors shooting guard who tore his ACL in the NBA Finals in 2019, has suffered a torn Achilles. He was coming back from the ACL injury and apparently in practice tore the ACL and just unfortunate for the Golden State Warriors. Talked about it last episode, you know, and again, we just need to talk about it again. He is a crucial player to what they do. He changes the game. They're the greatest shooting backcourt ever. That would be Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. They're automatic, can get you a bucket at any time. Some of the best we've ever seen. It is a shame to see Klay Thompson go down. And he's a good guy to root for. You know, his dad was in the NBA. He he went to Wazoo of all universities. Pullman, Washington. (laughs) Sheesh. Uh, Stayed there for like three years. Came out. Golden State drafted him. (laughs) Like. Not early, like a, not late in the first round either. Like, what was he, eighth pick, ninth pick, somewhere right around there. And solid pick. He's come up. He's shown what kind of player he can be. It's a shame to see him go down. Because he's a guy. How could you not like Clay Thompson? I'm not a big Warriors fan at all, but Clay Thompson is supreme. And he's a good guy to root for. You know, one of, the, one of my favorite players to watch in the league. He can, he can knock down any shot at any given moment, any given time. And it's a shame to see him go down, but with the Warriors knowing he's down and probably out for the season with the torn Achilles, they're making a trade for Kelly Oubre Jr. That's right. As part of the Chris Paul trade to Phoenix, which sent him to the Thunder, the Warriors now have the cap space to be able to trade for Kelly Oubre. It's a, it's a, good, it's a good deal. It's a good deal for them. You know, they, they took no... Chances of sitting by and taking any chances. They know with Curry coming back, Draymond going to have a bounce back here. They got Wiggins. They're bringing in Wiseman. Uh, The Warriors are going for it. They're one of those teams that have to go for it. They got championship aspirations for sure. If you got Steph Curry, the first unanimous MVP in league history. They're going to be drastically different now without Klay Thompson. But Kelly Oubre is a very solid player in himself. It's a good decision by Golden State to nab him while while he's still available because he wasn't staying on the Thunder all season. A playoff team was going to go get him at some point, and sure enough, one gets him a day, two days after <laughs> he was traded to another team. He doesn't even land in OKC. Probably never spoke to any OKC people. His agent was like, don't worry, sit back. Someone's going to get you. You won't play a day there before the season starts. I promise you that. 
So good move by the Warriors to get Kelly Oubre. Another trade that happened. Ed Davis traded to the Knicks for two second-round picks. Should also be noticed what the Knicks did today. This team created $40 million in cap space. And they parted ways with six players. They waived Taj Gibson, Alfred Payton, Wayne Ellington, and declined the team option on Bobby Portis. The three will at least make a million dollars in guaranteed money, but good decision by the Knicks because there are a lot of free agents available and out there that they can throw money at. And why not? They might as well think that they're an up-and-coming team with R.J. Barrett. Just got Obi Toppin in the draft, the Naismith Player of the Year. I think it's a great signing for them. And why not? You're a young team. Make a move for a veteran or a decent free agent to make this team a playoff team because New York Knicks basketball has been dreadful. So any way they can improve, get rid of this dead money that they had on these players, I think some of these guys can contribute to playoff teams for sure. Taj Gibson, yeah, no doubt about it. Wayne Ellington, he can knock down a shot. Bobby Portis, he can do something as your backup power forward. I think it's a good decision. Good decision to get rid of this money, but I think these guys will be signed and they will be employed in the future. I do not worry about them, but smart by the Knicks to open up some cap space for themselves. Just a couple other trades we'll go over real quickly that happened. Hawks trade Dwayne Dedman to the Pistons for Tony Snell. Yeah, that's a big one. And the Jazz trade Tony Bradley. Can't say I know who Mr. Bradley is, but, um, yeah, those have been the trades that have really happened thus far. I imagine it's going to pick up, though. It's only going to get better, especially with free agency really starting tomorrow where they can negotiate contracts, and then on the 22nd they can finally sign deals. We are making moves right along So stay tuned. You better stay glued to the TV, phone, whatever you got to do, because the free agent signings are going to be coming in, and they're going to be coming in fast. Sign-in trades are going to be happening left and right. It's going to be a beautiful thing. This NBA offseason has already been exciting enough. And another trade that I got to speak on, Dennis Schroeder getting traded to the Lakers. It was finally made official today. They managed to trade Danny Green, who was traded to the Thunder, but is now on the 76ers. And... Lakers, good decision, getting him as a guard. He's more dynamic than Rondo. He's younger. He's faster. I love his tenacity. I believe he should have been the sixth man of the year this past season with what he did with the Thunder. Love him coming over from OKC to the Lakers. He's going to mesh perfectly with LeBron and Anthony Davis. I think it means that Rondo is gone for the Lakers. He's going to walk in free agency. And at this point, I think the... (laughs) The Thunder shouldn't have traded a player this good for just Danny Green and, what, the 28th overall pick? Like, they didn't give up much to get a very nice dynamic player like Dennis Schroeder. But I think they're doing this to sabotage the Clippers. (laughs) Conspiracy theory. Because the Clippers traded all their picks to get Paul George. And Kawhi Leonard and Paul George can become free agents next summer. If they have another disappointing bad season, they could break it up and leave, and the Clippers could go back to being the pitiful organization that they are. And guess who's getting those draft picks? <laughs> the Thunder. The Thunder. just They know what they're doing. Sam Presti is a genius, a mastermind of the game when it comes to managing 
evaluating players. He's shown it throughout the years. Yeah, timing could be a little better when it comes to making some of these moves and evaluating talent and keeping it together, but he knows what he's doing, and he's playing chess, not checkers right now when it comes to trades, signings, and everything in between. Presti is one of the best managers in sports right now. He's doing his thing. <laughs> 19 draft picks, but Schroeder, it's a good it's a good trade for the Lakers, makes them better, and just so excited for the coming season. 2020-2021 season is going to be incredible. Stay tuned. Moving on, topic number two. A lot of opt-ins, opt-outs. We're going to stick in the NBA and talk about this upcoming free agency that is about to take place. Uh, before, in a previous episode, I mentioned the top five most interesting free agents at that time. Well, I feel I need to do the list again and only expand it. We're going to do the top 10 free agents at this moment in time before they can start officially negotiating contracts. Trades can already happen. Sign and trades can happen. Free agents can officially sign um, November 22nd. So right around the corner. Right around the corner. So let's break it down real quick. Number one, biggest free agent, obviously Anthony Davis. Look, he opted out of his little player option from the Lakers. And currently he is unemployed by an NBA organization. This man is going to re-up with the Lakers. I would be shocked if he went to another team. It would be baffling to me if he decided to go elsewhere after just winning a championship with the Lakers. It, it would be insane. So I imagine he's going to re-up with the Lakers on a bigger deal, or I don't know what it could do, because the Lakers, ha- they have options. I'm sure Davis is keeping all his options open as well, but he's going to run it back with the Lakers. It's only inevitable. Second guy we got to talk about, Gordon Hayward. He just opted out of his player option with the Boston Celtics. This man <laughs> was going to get paid $31 million. And this man decided to opt out. He is doing uh, the Celtics a huge favor opting out of this deal because he is not going to get that kind of money anywhere else. He'll definitely be re-signed. I like Gordon Hayward as a player. You know, he averaged 17 and a half this season, 6.7 rebounds, four assists. Very solid player. As a third option, he'd be great. A place I have in mind was where he started his career, the Utah Jazz. If he went back there, Second option to Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, love the, would love the tandem. They, they would be really solid together. So, But he's going to have options. He's going to have a nice market for himself. He's only 30 years old, but he is not going to get $31 million. Maybe he even re-signs with Boston at a lower deal. You never know what could happen. But Gordon Hayward, top-tier player, going to be very interesting to see where he ends up. Third guy, Paul Millsap. That's right. He was going to get paid. He was getting paid thirty million dollars. I mean, that's a lot for the for the Denver Nuggets. Thirty-five years old. Definitely, he's going to have options as well. A team I really would like him to go to would be Portland. They have Dame, CJ just brought in Robert Covington. Why not bring in a veteran like Millsap? You got Nurkic at the center. He'd be a nice addition to their team. But I like Millsap as a player. This past season wasn't spectacular. 11.6 points, 5.7 rebounds. 
he'll be good, but he's he's not getting that kind of money. He'll be lucky to get a mid-level exception. He might get the veterans minimum. We, we don't know, but he's not going to get paid like that. Fourth guy, Serge Ibaka. Uh, he, this man is going to, everyone's going to be vying for his talents just because of his versatility alone. He averaged 15 points, eight rebounds, and for most part of the season, it's, he was coming off the bench for the Raptors. I thought he was a little better than Marcus Saul, like by far better at pretty much everything. But I, I love Serge Ibaka as a player. He won a championship in Toronto. I mean, he is the what you want out of your four in the modern NBA of today. And he can even play center if teams decide to go small. He's a versatile defender. He can knock down shots from the outside, space the floor, can play good defense. That's what you need out of your big. Your big has to be able to help you spread the floor. He can also get a bucket on the inside. I like Serge Ibaka's game. Very solid player indeed. Another guy of the Toronto Raptors who is a free agent as well. That would be Mr. Fred Van Fleet. Everyone's going to want him. I imagine the Knicks are going to throw the bag at this man after giving, after all the salary that they've given up. <laughs> he is going to get paid. Going to get paid. I'll be, it'll be surprising to see who he goes to, to say the least. I don't know if he will re-up with the Raptors. But you can guarantee it, the Raptors will not lose both of them. The Raptors will not lose Abaka and Van Vliet in the same offseason. No, no, no. Especially Kyle Lowry got a little bit of an injury. Yeah, he, Raptors are guaranteed to get two, but mm-hmm. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know if they're going to be willing to pay Fred Van Vliet the kind of money that he's looking for. I mean, he only averages 17.6 points a game, 6.6 assists. Yeah, that's pretty good. Just under two steals a game. Very solid player streaky score, integral part of that Raptors championship run. He's a good player. He's going to get a lot of money, get a lot of offers. 26 years old. I like his game. Fred Van Vliet. Fifth guy, Brandon Ingram. Uh, he's a restricted free agent, so the Pelicans can match any offer, but he is still a free agent nonetheless. Super talented. Uh, comeback player of the year. He averaged 23.8 points a game. Six rebounds, four assists. He really improved this year. I would, if I'm Pelicans, bring him back. Bring him back. Let him play with Zion, Lonzo. That's the core. That's what you need to build around. That's what you traded for with the Lakers. You're just going to let this guy walk after just giving up your superstar power forward in Anthony Davis? It would be shocking if they let Brandon Ingham go. Especially, he's only 23 years old. Young. Young Buck, I think he's only going to get better. He's going to have a big market, though. The Pelicans are going to have to throw a lot of money his way because <laughs> a lot of teams will. A lot of teams will give up big money for him. Sixth guy, Dino Gallinari. I think he can be, if he's a third option for a championship contender, oh, boy, I expect Milwaukee to want to be vying for his services. Lakers, Clippers, Every championship team, I wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors try to get involved with Gallinari, maybe even going to the Heat. Every team that is vying for a championship will be pursuing Dino Gallinari. You can believe it. 32 years old, just came off of a 
nice season for him with the overachieving Oklahoma City Thunder. 18.7 points a game, five rebounds. As your three guard, averaging 18, it, every team is reaching out to his agent and seeing where his mindset is at. And his mindset is win championships. That's what he wants to do. He's going to put himself on a championship contending team. So expect to see more of Dino Gallinari in the future. Would be the sixth man of the year, Montrez Harold. I do not think he will go back to the Clippers. He's 26 years old. He just came off, uh, like I said, sixth man of the year, 18.6 points a game, seven rebounds, uh, one block a game. He was making $6 million, definitely going to get more money than that. He's a versatile guy. If the Rockets could keep James Harden and figure out that situation, if they brought him in, I think he'd be a nice piece for what the Rockets do and how James Harden plays. But he's going to have a market. I don't know. I don't know about him, though. He's definitely not going back to the Clippers. I'm not a big fan of him just because I'm not a big fan of the Clippers altogether. But he, is a, he plays hard. He plays scrappy. Does a little too much chirping for my liking for his skill level and what he has done so far in his career. But some guys just do that. That's, a, that's just how some players act. Some players just talk trash. That's how they get their motivation. But Montrez Heller, very solid player. He'll help out any team. Eighth guy, Davis Bertans. Played for the Washington Wizards just last season. Averaged 15.4 points a game for rebounds. He's just a marksman from downtown. Again, would be a very solid third option for your championship contending team. He's going to have a big market. He can knock down shots from the outside, and he's tall, lanky, big guy, and he's young. He is going to help a team win a championship if they have championship aspirations. That's just what this guy is going to do. I wouldn't imagine that he's going to re-sign with the Wizards just based on where the Wizards are at, and I'm sure what he knows he's capable of doing. Or maybe he goes and secures the bag from somewhere. Whatever he decides to do, he's going to be a valuable asset to any team, and I like him as a player. Just wasn't a big fan on how he didn't play for the Wizards when the bubble came up, and he had that opportunity, and he just left him out to dry. And that signals to me that he doesn't want to play for the Wizards, didn't want to take chance of risking injury because he knows he wants to go get the money. So... Wasn't a fan of that, but he's still a nice, solid player. The ninth guy of the key free agents out there, Christian Wood. He was a power forward for the Detroit Pistons, and you look at his numbers, and if you've never heard of him, like this is going to be a reaction. Yeah, he averages 13 points a game, 6.3 rebounds, one assist. What's so special about him? Well, he came on, and he averaged in the second half of the season when the Detroit Pistons traded their center, Andre Drummond, put Christian Wood in the starting lineup. He went off. He averaged over 23 points a game, double-digit rebounds. He was a monster for them. And that's all you need. You just need one solid year to show that you can be the man for a little bit. Bing, bang, boom, you're getting yourself a big contract. A lot of teams will be behind for him. Another guy. See, this is what the league has turned into. You need size. You need to be lanky. You need to be able to shoot. You need to be able to defend. The four things, mark it off the board, Christian Wood can do. He can shoot. He can protect the paint. He's versatile, can play multiple positions. He can defend. That's what you want when it comes to an NBA player in this league today. And he's going to get just that. 
going to have a nice little market for himself and just a nice, interesting story as he came out of nowhere. I didn't know that who he was until just last season. I mean, apparently he was drafted by the Pelicans. They moved on from him and played for the Pistons. Here he is, unrestricted free agent, and is about to turn himself into a household name, hopefully, if he can keep trending in the right direction. And then the final guy we need to mention is my boy, one of my favorite players of all time, Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, he's 36 years old, still getting it done in the gym, though. He averaged 15.4 points a game, 6.3 rebounds. He's just he's still mellow. He can still be a nice piece off your bench if you're a championship team. He says he's looking for big minutes around the league, but I... I don't know about that. Like, why not go try and win a championship, play an integral role? Dwight Howard bought into that. I think Melo can be that same player. If he buys into a role on a championship-level team, he can be an integral part of a championship. He just has to accept that role. I don't think he's ready to accept that, and I don't know if he'll ever accept that as the player he is because he's always thought of himself, yeah, one of the most prolific scorers in NBA history. This man is a walking bucket. Prime Carmelo Anthony is a beast. Only reason the New York Knicks are relevant in the millennia that we're in is because of Carmelo Anthony in his tenure there. Other than that, the Knicks have been atrocious. He was a beast in Denver Carmelo Anthony doesn't get enough credit, and that's because the past recency bias is can be a bitch. Everyone just likes to think of the OKC years, the Rocket years. No, those teams did not know how to utilize the boy. And I think he found a nice role in Portland, and I would like him to go back to Portland because I think they, ha- they know what he can do. They utilize his strengths and allow him to do what he does. And he was fun to watch in the bubble. So those are the big free agents that we have. That's my top 10 list. Now, obviously, there are more guys. I could do another list if I wanted to of 10 more names of guys that I think could be integral to a championship contending team and a guy who shouldn't be taken lightly. I've spoken on this before. The league is so talented with so many good players. You can't ignore it. You really can't. It's There's so much talent around the NBA. It is absurd. Absolutely absurd. And and everyone just disrespects it. Just everyone loves disrespecting the game. Mm. No more disrespect. Respect these players because they are beasts. Moving on. Topic number three. NFL Week 11 begins tonight. Seattle Seahawks against the Arizona Cardinals. We're going to do my pick five. That's right. Five best games this coming weekend for the NFL. And we're going to pick them. First game. Yep. Tonight's game. It's a big one. Top of the division. This is for the division lead right now. Arizona Cardinals are technically in first place in the best division in football, that being the NFC West. It's a big time game. I got Russell Wilson on my fantasy team. I need Seattle to win tonight. Kyler Murray has stepped up higher. If we want to do an MVP ranking of players, Kyler Murray has jumped my pick, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson can't stop turning the ball over. 
I mean, this man is just throwing interceptions left and right. He needs to figure it out. He was spectacular to start the year and now just has been a turnover machine. Cardinals have been a great story. I'm not shocked that they have bounced from worst to first in their division. It always happens in the NFL. And spoke on it many times. I'm not surprised that they're the team to do this. Very dynamic offense. Kyler Murray, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. They got the best wide receiver in the NFL right now, DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, everyone saw the Hail Mary against the Bills. You know what he do. He is a beast. Beast out there. He cannot be stopped. He caught a Hail Mary pass on three guys. Mm. He is a killer. But with that being said, Games in Seattle, I know there are no fans, but I think Seahawks have been struggling. I think this is a bounce-back game. I think Wilson's going to tame it down a little bit. He's going to figure out those interceptions. They've lost three of four. They've already lost the first matchup to the Cardinals in another nail-biter earlier this year. They need to get this win. I Everyone's picking the Seahawks, but I think the Seahawks are going to win tonight. Let's see if they can get it done. They're my pick, but it, it thrilling game. Thursday night football. We usually don't get good ones, and this is finally a good game. Finally. They don't come by too often. I will tell you that right now. Second game that should be quite interesting would be the Baltimore Ravens against the Tennessee Titans. Both of these teams stumbling. I expect both of these teams to have Super Bowl aspirations and should be striving for that. Yet, this team just lost to the New England Patriots, a team that everyone is writing off and, you know, hasn't been great of late. And they controlled the game. Cam Newton controlled the Baltimore Ravens. I don't want to say people have figured out Lamar Jackson, but he has not lived up to the MVP season he had last year. Teams are playing him a little different. I read something that said they're playing him to force him to go over the top, pressuring receivers, not letting him get the ball out quick, and um, really putting pressure on him not letting him get outside the tackles. They're making him stay in the pocket and throw the ball down the field. It's not one of his strengths. It wasn't one of his strengths at Louisville. It's who he is at this point in his career. I think he's got a long way to go. I love his trajectory as a player, but hasn't lived up to expectations this year. Titans, look, they're struggling too. They're not playing great either. They've lost three of their last four. They've lost to the Steelers. They got manhandled by the Bengals. They got a cake win against the Bears because they're the Bears. And then they just got whooped by the Colts last week. Uh, neither of these teams are playing great football right now, but both teams are 6-3. and three. I like Jackson more than I do Tannehill. Obviously, Derrick Henry is the best running back in the league as Christian McCaffrey is hurt. But with that being said, I, am, I, I think the Ravens are going to win this game. The Ravens need a big win against a good team. This is the kind of team you beat. The Titans, I think they're, they're treading in the wrong direction. The defense hasn't been there the past few weeks, giving up a lot of points. Yeah, I, I'm going with the Ravens. I think the Ravens are going to ride that defensive um, struggle for the Titans, and the Ravens are going to pick up the W. The third game that is going to be exciting this weekend, the Green Bay Packers against the Indianapolis 
Colts. Rodgers against Rivers. First, that should tell you the matchup right there on who I think is going to win. I can even look at this game right now and tell you Green Bay Packers are winning. I know nothing about who's playing, who's going into it. Packers are playing some of the best football in the NFL right now. They are 7-2, and two, top of the NFC North, uh, skated by the Jaguars, handled the 49ers, lost to the Vikings. So they've won two of their last three. I, I think they're moving in the right direction. Rodgers is still top three quarterbacks in the NFL. Don't sleep on him. Aaron Jones, the run game hasn't been there. I think they're a little one-dimensional, though, with Rodgers and Adams on the outside, but it's still Aaron Rodgers. Um, the Packers are just looking like cream of the crop when it comes to the NFC. There's a couple teams that are up there with them, like the Bucks, Saints. It's wide open, though. Uh, anyone in that NFC West can do it too, but I like where the Packers are at this point. They have to like where they are, and this Colts team. I just uh, uh, Philip Rivers. Just he he doesn't win big games. He he doesn't. He he really doesn't. I know the game is an indie. It, it is what it is. Uh, both teams have a decent amount of injuries. Give me Roger over Rivers. That's the, that's the game changer for this matchup. That's the game changer right there. So give me the Packers. Pack show. I hate cheering for the Pack, man, but can't, I can't cheer for Phillip Rivers and the Colts. I, ju I just can't bring myself to do it, and I don't expect them to win because I don't expect Rivers to play very well, and I expect the Packers to do their thing. Fourth game, the Sunday night football game, the Kansas City Chiefs against the Las Vegas Raiders. Look, the Raiders won the first matchup <laughs> in Arrowhead. They went to Kansas City and won 40-32. to 32. The offenses look great. Derek Carr is playing the best football of his career under John Gruden. Quite the quarterback whisperer that John Gruden is. Maybe he knows what he's doing. Maybe the Raiders know what they're doing. They're 6-3, and three-game three winning streak. They've beaten the, now, they haven't beaten good teams on this three-game winning streak, but you beat the teams in front of you. After getting demolished by the Bucks, they beat the Browns, Chargers, Broncos. This is the this is the proof it game. This is the proof it game. Their only big win this season they have actually two big wins, if you do say, against the Chiefs and the Saints. So this is a big one for the Raiders, but the best team in football is the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, Mahomes is the best quarterback. Have a solid run game with Clyde. They got Le'Veon Bell, who they don't use. Weapons all over the place. Top five receiver in Tyreek Hill. Obviously, Travis Kelsey is the monster that he is. Just got talent everywhere. They're the most balanced, well-rounded team in the NBA. And I don't, I don't think it's really even close as far as the defensive skills set and then the offensive skill set that this team offers you. I, they got to be the favorite and they're the favorite in this game and that's what, they're going to win this game because they have the best team. I mean, Mahomes is just an absolute monster. After that Raiders loss, they've won four in a row. They get a big one against the Raiders and then next week against the Bucks, which will be a doozy. But offense just clicks on everything. 
second in points. I mean, they got the number one pass offense, number one offense. I mean, they're just unstoppable. Give me the Chiefs bounce back game, even that season series against the Raiders. And then the final game. I like how we're actually getting good games on Thursday and Monday night. It was the biggest thing against the NFL that I had of like, okay, there are good games on Sundays. I'm sometimes busy on Sundays. I can't always watch games. What about Thursday and Monday when I'm not doing anything? Oh, I got the Jags against the Bengals. Oh, I'm not watching. Oh, right, uh, the Broncos against the Washington football team. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm not going to tune into that. Oh, the Lions are playing the Jets. Boy, I can't wait to watch that one. No. Now they're finally giving us, like, tonight, Seattle against Arizona. Great game. Fifth game, Tampa Bay Bucks against the Los Angeles Rams in Tampa Bay. Uh, this is a big game for both teams. Bucks are 7-3. and three, Had one of their best wins of the year last week against the Panthers. Scored the most points of the season, 46 uh, Brady was doing his thing. Everyone was feasting. Jones had a 94-yard run, if I remember correctly. Um, <laughs> it couldn't be stopped. Everything worked for them on the offensive side of the ball. And correction, 98-yard TD run for Mr. Jones. They're just, they're, if the Chiefs are the number one offense, even stat-wise, I think the number two offense in the league has got to be the Tampa Bay Bucks. Just so much talent at every single position. It is staggering. Staggering. And I know this Bell situation is of him breaking a security camera, throwing a bike at a security um, shed, I guess. I, I mean, the guy can't stay out of trouble, but Bruce Arians said he's been a model citizen since joining the Bucks. We'll see if any repercussions have of it, but they're one of the most dynamic teams. They're my Super Bowl pick. This is the show-me game. They had a chance to do it against the Saints on Sunday Night Football two weeks ago, and they laid an egg. I mean, they managed to get three points, but they lost 38-3. to that game. It was a train wreck. I could not stop watching when it came <laughs> to that game against the Saints and Bucks, this is a bounce back game for the Bucks. They need a big primetime win. This is this is the kind of game that the Bucks need to win. But the Rams are no slouch. I mean, they got the best defense in the league. They got the best defender in the league in on the interior. They also have the best defensive player on the exterior when it comes to the secondary. That being Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. It is um this is gonna be a good game. Going to be a good game. And this offense for the Rams are a defensive team. This Rams team is not some kind of offensive juggernaut that we expect Sean McVay, the genius, to be. No. This team is defensive all the way. They wear you down, they run the ball. Offensive running team, yeah, they let Goff do his thing. He's thrown for 2,400 yards to this point. 13 touchdowns and six interceptions. Though Brady, on the other hand, 23 touchdowns, seven interceptions. And what, five of them have come against the Saints? Everyone else, two interceptions? I, I just like this Bucks roster more. And I don't think the, the Rams are there offensively to be able to match what the Bucks can dish out. Games in Tampa Bay. I know last time they were there, 
It wasn't a good showing against the Saints, but I expect a big win for the Bucks. Give me the Buck and the Earth. So to run it back, just real quick to remind you my pick so you can hold me accountable. Tonight, Seattle's going to beat Arizona. Baltimore is going to beat Tennessee. Green Bay is going to beat Indianapolis. Kansas City is going to beat the Raiders. And on Monday night, the Bucks are going to beat the Rams. Moving on. Topic number four. Connor McGregor returning to the octagon. I don't want to say I call it because it was pretty obvious that he was not retiring when he announced he was when the COVID pandemic was going and the UFC was still trying to figure out how they were going to do fights and conduct it and do their whole thing and have Fight Island and everything in between that the UFC has had to do to keep themselves in business and get the spectators and get the fights done. Conor McGregor, one of the biggest names in the sport, is returning. That's right. He's agreed to a fight on January 23rd of 2021. Officially signed the contract. It's a done deal. They fight. It's fight night. Hit him with the left. Hit him with the right. Hey, I'm going to knock that. Okay, you know the words. Anyways, but that's right. McGregor back in the ring against Dustin Poirier. I am not going to act like I know how to analyze a UFC fight, a UFC fighter, and act. I don't know anything. I just enjoy watching two grown men just try to break each other's faces. You know, it's a gladiator sport. The UFC fighters of today are our gladiators. They put their life on the line to beat the living snot out of each other. And they do just that for our entertainment, and we pay fifty nine ninety five for it, and it is well worth the money. I do enjoy UFC fights, but I'm not going to act like I know what's going on. Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't know anything about techniques. I'm not going to act like I know the difference between Muay Thai, karate, any of that stuff. I know nothing. I just know I'm excited for this fight. And I just think it's funny a guy who's like, "Oh, I'm retiring." Never going to fight again. You know, I want to thank everyone. And just this long Instagram post. And sure enough, you know, he's back at it. You just It was inevitable. You knew a guy like that couldn't stay away for too long because he's got to pay the bills. Got a family to feed. Got a family to feed. That's what you got to do when you're a professional athlete. You can't just fade out of the spotlight. You need to snap necks and cash checks. And in this specific sport, you can do just that, except you can't really break guys' necks. You can just give them whiplash and knock them the hell out. But it's, it's going to be a good fight. UFC 257. Uh, I'm excited for it. I'm sure they'll put another big draw in. He's the biggest draw in the sport. At this point, his name carries the most weight when it comes to fights in the UFC. Uh, he gets the most eyeballs there. Everyone pays the most attention to him. He's not even the best. He's not the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. He's the best marketer. One of the best trash talkers the sports world has ever seen. Uh, (laughs) He can get a little bit much, but I'm a fan of him. Like, why not? He's not. He doesn't always win the big fight. Uh, He wins in spectacular fashion, though. That, needless to say, his last fight against Cowboy was, it was quick work, and he was deadly. And he he can do that at any moment. That's why he's worth watching. Because he can do the spectacular, but some nasty things can happen to him. So 
it is enjoyable to watch. So look out come January of next year. Conor McGregor back in the ring, ready for action. Topic number five. Folks, the greatest stadium in the history of sports has been marked as a national historic landmark. That's right. Wrigley Field, home of the Chicago Cubs, is officially a national historic landmark. It was only a matter of time. The most iconic stadium in baseball history finally gets the honor, officially. It was marked today. That's right, November 19, 2020. Three days and four years to the date of when they won the World Series. <laughs> That's right. That's what they did. The recognition, which federally protects and maintains historical properties and objects in the USA, was made in honor of the significant role the ballpark has played in the city of Chicago and the history of professional sports. The Department of Interior wrote on Twitter on Thursday, the 106-year-old field is the second oldest Major League Baseball field and the oldest in the National League for a reference. Uh, Fenway in Boston is the oldest for um, all you, you know, people who just are just dying to know. You just got to know. The historical significance of Wrigley Field is interwoven into our nation's story and a key part of what has become America's beloved pastime for over a century, said Secretary David Bernhardt. It is with great enthusiasm that I designate this iconic national treasure, the site of many legendary events, innovations, and traditions in baseball history as a national historic landmark. Wrigley Field is a special place in our hearts of generations of fans, said Executive Chairman Tom Ricketts. That's why from our first day as owners, we committed to preserving Wrigley, which will now take its well-earned place in the lineup of American history and culture as a national treasure. Mm. Couldn't have said it better myself, but I'll say it even better. Best stadium in sports, like by far. By far. If, if you haven't been to Wrigley, I'd recommend going as soon as you can. Even in the middle of the pandemic, oh, pff, just wear a mask and wash your damn hands. You'll be all right, but you got to go to Wrigley. Best place to watch a game. You head out to the bleachers. Oh, you can sit wherever you want out there. You know, the beer is cold, a little expensive, but what do you expect? You're at a ball game. Got nothing better than getting a Wrigley dog. Oh, my goodness. You better be drinking old style there, too, or you're not doing it right. Bleachers are a great place to watch the game. Cubs fans are Die hard, always into it. Some people, of course, are there for the spectacle, but that's because it's a national landmark. It's a national treasure. It's a privilege to step foot in that facility. Anywhere you sit's a great seat. Anywhere you sit. You could be up in the rafters. Uh, you could be out in the bleachers. Just beautiful stadium. They got the ivy. Oh, they, the innovation. The, they got the scoreboard in the middle. Everyone knows about the famous hand-done scoreboard that they use every game, and then they got the big video boards in left and right field now. They've expanded the stadium. They got the rooftops across the street. Wrigleyville, that down, that area of Chicago is incredible. It's just, it is a true experience 
to go to a Cubs game. It is unlike any sporting event you'll ever go to when it comes to baseball. When it comes to baseball games, because it is a full day venture, you got to get there early, got to watch batting practice, but you got to get a few drinks before down there in Wrigleyville. Oh, then you go inside, you know, then you have a few more drinks, you know, enjoy the ball game. It's Chicago in the summer, summertime shy. Oh, no better feeling. Just Wrigley Field. Everyone's got to go. You got to go. Tell you what, uh, we're going. I'll get tickets. Whoever wants to go, hit me up. I'm trying to go right now. We're going to Wrigley Field. Whenever we're able to go, when fans are allowed in the premise, I'm trying to go. Let's make it happen. Come on. Let's do it. And now for my unpopular opinion. Look, everyone's saying that the NBA TV ratings were down because they they went woke, supposedly. They embraced Black Lives Matter, which was a no-no. That's why people tuned it out. That's why people didn't watch. So my unpopular opinion is that social justice had nothing to do with the decline of sports ratings in general. So I'd love to point this out. A lot of people were murmuring during the playoffs. Oh, nobody's watching. TV ratings are way down. Even the president went as far to say this, no one's watching that. He didn't watch. And just making himself look like an, the absolute buffoon that he is. You know, a ton of people just like, oh, shouldn't endorse, endorse an organization like that. What the NBA was sick, disgusting. Oh, they got to stand for the national anthem. They're not allowed to protest. Oh, shut up and dribble. You know what I think of those people? Kick rocks and shut the fuck up. Jesus, you just shut up. Y'all are absolute clowns and making yourself look like clowns. But... I digress. The TV ratings are down, not because of social justice. No. That's far from it. Yeah, you could say it was the least watched NBA Finals when it comes to the TV ratings. Yeah, that is fact. You can look it up. It just that that was the statistics. But sports altogether is down in ratings. And this isn't just... The NBA that's down. Everyone loves to make it seem like, oh, the NBA ratings are down. They're the only sport. All these other sports are just thriving, just thriving. Everyone's just watching every other sport but the NBA because they they went activism. Oh, they supported Black Lives Matter. They did this. They did that. (laughs) No. All sports ratings are down. That's right. Every single sports league is down in the ratings. Every single one of them. Every single league. Yeah. NBA Finals, we can start with it. The 17th championship for the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James is fourth. You expect people to be watching. They played the Miami Heat, beat them in six games. Final game was October 11th. Despite the big market, game six of the finals, 7.4 million viewers. A year-over-year decline of 51%. Remember last year, the Toronto Raptors beat the Golden State Warriors. I think it's a little better matchup. You know, we, it was interesting to see who was going to win compared to, it's pretty obvious that the Lakers are going to win the championship this year. So parity had a little to do with it. Additionally, this is the this final surpassed 2007 against the San Antonio Spurs in the Cleveland Cavaliers, another lopsided series as the least watched. Conversely, the 2020 WNBA Finals, the Seattle Storm versus the Las Vegas Aces on ESPN averaged 440,000 viewers a year-over-year increase of 15%. So 
WNBA ratings went up. And I think that has to do with more people are tuning into the WNBA, which is good for them. They're the one sport league that's actually succeeding. Yet, that would destroy the myth that social justice was the reason the NBA ratings are down. Because the WNBA players took it even further. They boycotted before the NBA players. They were doing way more activism. They were wearing shirts. They were speaking out way more. They were using their voices. They were being way more clear before the NBA players did it. I like what the NBA players did, but the WNBA players need to get their credit because they did a lot more when it came to speaking out about injustices in our society today. But their ratings increased. Also, that destroys the narrative. All right, let's go to a sport, a white-dominated sport, because it seems like the white people are the ones who are not happy about people crying out about social injustices. But uh, let's go with hockey. The Stanley Cup, that's right, concluded September 28th. The Tampa Bay Lightning defeated the Dallas Stars in six games. The final Stanley Cup finals averaged 2.03 million viewers, a 61% decline from last year's finals and second lowest ever. Funny enough, in the same year, behind the 2007 finals against Anaheim and Ottawa. <laughs> How funny is that? Now, I know that Canadian ratings don't count, but this, these were American teams. Tampa Bay and the Dallas Stars, like Dallas is a big market. Tampa Bay's got a pretty nice following, but those ratings, mm, down 61%. They didn't, didn't do anything as far as social justice. Yeah, there was, at the start, they had a couple players take a knee. You know, they did small things, spoke out a, like, they were tiny with it, though. Nothing dramatic, nothing compared to what the WNBA and NBA did. But their ratings are down over 50%, 61% decline, to be exact, from last year. Let's go with the Kentucky Derby. How about something where the athletes don't speak out because they're animals, they're horses? <laughs> the first leg, the Triple Crown Kentucky Derby. Yeah, it's usually scheduled for May 3rd. They had to do it later in the year. It is what it is. They had to do it in September, so and it became the second leg, but still a big thing. It averaged 9.3 million viewers, a 43% decline from last year's race, and the least-watched derby since 2000. Wow. Wow. Now, th this is interesting. The derby was the most-watched TV sporting event since last year's Super Bowl. Again, I don't think this has anything to do with social injustice because, well, the, the ratings are still down. Steep decline. Big decline. Just mm, not a lot of people watching horse racing. That's interesting. What about racing itself? What about racing in general? <laughs> the Indianapolis 500, all-time low, 3.67 million viewers. The previous low was 4.9 million set in 2018. The year-over-year -year audience decline was 32%. That's racing. Like, they don't do anything for social injustice when it comes to the indie racing. You just look at baseball ratings. Way down, the World Series, Los Angeles Dodgers against the Tampa Bay Rays went six games. 9.72 million viewers a 30% decline from last year's series. The previous low had been 12.6 million viewers in 2012. That's down 3 million. 
and it's still big market like the Dodgers. Yeah, I know the Rays aren't that big a market, but they got a, still a pretty solid following. When you look at the local TV markets, they may rank in the middle. Should have been a decent following. The audience for the MLB's four divisional series declined by 40% from last year. The league champion series set record low viewing despite both games, both series going seven games. <laughs> wow. Wow. Even, even the NFL, despite continued strong ratings, though, compared to the other sports because it is the NFL, ratings have been off by 13% this year. It's a decent amount. That's a decent amount. You know, but what about college football? What about the non-professionals that compete, huh? I mean, through the first seven weeks, only one game, Alabama versus Georgia on October 17th on CBS has averaged more than 6 million viewers. By comparison, last season at this time, there were 10 games that averaged over 6 million viewers. Wow. And, I mean, they're college players. No one cares about the social injustices that they speak out about because they don't have a voice because they're behind, behind the brand of their university and athletic program. They, they don't have much say. And it's not because of social injustice that college football ratings are down. Tennis ratings are down. Golf, it was the least watched Masters in years. As a matter of fact, it was the lowest watch Masters since 1995, as far back as the record exists, while the ratings were the lowest since 1957. Viewership of the final round was down 48% compared to last year. Yeah, of course Tiger won last year. That's going to boost the ratings for sure. But Tiger was there. He was at Augusta. Dustin Johnson is the best player in the world right now, and he won the Masters. And there, it was a top, good field at the top. And no one watched golf. You know, they don't speak out about social injustices at all. As a matter of fact, that's Trump's favorite sport. He owns golf courses. And yet, their ratings are down. And look, for the people who thought that social injustice and activism was the reason at go woke, go broke. That, that sentiment is completely false. When you look, just all sports ratings in general are down across the board, everywhere. Every league is seeing decline. Every league is seeing a loss in money. And real quickly, I'll just touch on it. I think it's for a couple of reasons. You know, people, people have bigger things to do. It's a pandemic. It was an election year. There was a lot going on. People had bigger things to focus on than sports. Very understandable. The diehards will watch, but the casuals aren't paying them as much attention because the casuals have other things to worry about in life. So understandable that the ratings would be down for that particular reason. I think oversaturation has a lot to do with it as well. And there's just a lot going on when it comes to being a sports fan. you got to pick and choose on what you can watch, especially in my life. I can't watch everything. I would love to. I certainly try to watch as much as I possibly can, but sometimes I'm not able to some days. And there's a lot on, so I, I get a, to pick and choose what I want, want to watch, but I don't get to watch everything. i got to pick and choose my battles when it comes to my viewing pleasure. So, I, and there was a lot going on. The World Series is going on at the same time as the NBA Finals, which was going on at the same time as the 
Stanley Cup playoffs, which was going on at the same time as the start of the NFL season, which was going right down to the wire with this election, which also had horse racing going on in it, which there's just a lot of things going on when it comes to sports. So an oversaturation is another problem too. But this narrative that, oh, social justice hurt the ratings for the NBA, completely false, not even a real thing. It's just an, an interesting thing to say. Definitely can start a conversation, but it's just not true. And that's the end of episode 39 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time, you know, check me out on social media. Don't be afraid to hit that like or follow button. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast as is. So it lets you know once I release the newest episode. And uh, as always, during this COVID pandemic, wash your damn hands. All right, I'm out. Peace.